Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Busy end of the week. Lots of happening. We expect today we may get an announcement on a deal between the U.S. and Mexico in NAFTA. And where does that leave Canada? We're going to talk about that a little bit later with Sean Haney from Real Agriculture out of Canada. Get his thoughts, the Canadian perspective on what's going on, especially between the U.S. and Mexico. Also, we may get word tomorrow, may finally get some details on the Ag Assistance Package, that $12 billion. There have been reports out there that uh, uh, of, of amounts, but those are preliminary numbers. We may not... Uh, we probably don't know the exact numbers yet till they come out, but it looks like uh, most of the money will go for soybeans. Uh, we'll be breaking that down, talking a lot more about that tomorrow, but uh, certainly that's uh, something we've been waiting for some time to see. And as we get closer to that, you know, all the uh, ag groups have been weighing in on that to uh, let the administration know um, how they've been impacted by the trade tariffs and tensions. And we'll see how all that figures into the uh, final numbers that may come out tomorrow from USDA. Also coming up today, we're going to talk with Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Uh, get more information on the RFS situation and what uh, the biofuels industry has submitted to EPA as far as the RVO levels for 2019. We'll talk more about that issue a little bit later. Also, Dave Warner with the National Pork Producers Council will be with us to give us an update on the hours of service issue. Very important for uh, moving livestock across the country. So we'll talk more about that a little bit later as well. But want to get a quick update as we start things off. Looking ahead to next week, next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we'll be in Boone, Iowa for the Farm Progress Show. Joining us is Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress, Matt Youngman. And Matt, uh, just the final details now, uh, how, how do things look for next week? Really coming together really well. We're going to get into the field later today and start taking the endros off the field demo corn. Had our had a very successful media day yesterday. Uh, did, a, did a test float of the, of the floating tractor that we're going to have in the retention pond on the east side of the show site. Announced uh, Secretary Purdue's visit and announced a, a Guinness Book of World Record attempt. Wow, a lot going on. Now tell us a little bit more about the floating tractor. So well, I've been working with METOS for the last year and a half or so to, to figure out how to do this. They've done, they did it once in Belgium, and they thought it would be really cool to bring to the Farm Progress show. And so they, it, it, it's, it's a show. You know, it's not really all that applicable. But, but in terms of taking a look at where flotation is now with tire technology, uh, they've outfitted a tractor with big enough tires that it actually floats. And and uh, if you if you hunt and search on social media a little bit, you'll find pictures of me actually running it. I, I had the opportunity to put it in the water and and float it. It propels itself just with the turning of the tires, and it's uh, it is really a sight to see. And I, I think it's going to be the maybe the highlight of the show. So it survived your test driving, so it must be in good shape, right? Ready to go? Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be pretty tough and pretty reliable for me to be able to go on <laughs> do it. Uh, you mentioned Secretary Purdue will be visiting. When will he be there? He he will be there sometime around the noon hour on Wednesday. So he'll be he'll be in the Wallace's Farmer Hospitality Tent uh, on our stage. We're gonna on on that Wednesday. We have eleven secretaries of agriculture from around the country. On Tuesday, we have eleven or eight 
uh, lieutenant governors from around the country. But, uh, you know, Secretary Purdue came visited last year, and we're glad to see him again this year with, with as much policy discussion. And as you mentioned, the $12 billion, you know, there's, there's a lot of discussion, a lot of things going on. So good to have him at the show on Wednesday to, to give his word on it. In your hospitality tent during the noon hour, I'm going to be in there with Max Armstrong, so we invite people to come by and see us. Should be a lot going on there. It will be. It's going to be a busy place. There's, there's, a, there's a whole lot going on on that stage. All right, so um, final preparations. Uh, exhibitors pretty well set up, or how far along are they? So the, the, the big guys, uh, you know, the, the landscaping's done, the electrical's down, the Internet is distributed, the tents are up. Uh, now it's starting to transition to that point where they're starting to roll some equipment in and place it. Uh, you know, the technology companies, uh, uh, Corteva, that's, that's where Dow was, and, and Pioneer, Monsanto, Syngenta, they're, they're all uh, getting getting put into place, and they're starting to put up their graphics and, and, and turn it into the actual exhibit. So, yeah, and then the, some of the smaller exhibits, uh, just starting to move into the varied industry tent, and you know the one two lot folks—they're just kind of getting on site and starting to get their feet set. So, are you happy with the way things have come together? Yeah, you know we had we had two inches of rain Monday, and that obviously slowed us down a little bit. But with the maturity of the site, it took it really well. There are a few places you can look around and pretty obviously see that we got two inches of rain. But for the most part, uh, you know we weren't in the parking lots, the haze off the parking lots everything's pristine there so uh with that and beginning to get into the field so we can lay out the ride and drives and the, the autonomous tractor driving demonstration and the, the drone demos uh you know everything is everything's going on pace right now now i asked you this a while back but now that we're within just a few days i'll ask you again now are you checking that weather forecast every day now yeah i i watch that like the further film and if you know anything about john f kennedy you know what that means i just watch that thing frame by frame and i'm watching it change every time the national weather service gives an update i'm on top of it and yeah i'm watching it really close right now and and you know we have a, a little bit of a chance tonight and then after that it, the, the chances really go down they are they are 20 30 40 percent chances off and on uh, for some stray things, but for the most part, it's just going to be a little warm, and we're looking forward to a really good show. Even if we get a good shot of rain tonight, we're still going to be good for, for opening day on Tuesday. That's good to hear. So anything else uh, show goers should keep in mind as they head to Boone next week? No, everything is in great shape. Uh, no, no big construction things that are going to affect our traffic. Uh, parking lots are in, in, in great shape, going to start having – uh, open up the campgrounds the day before the show. The overnight parking is at noon on Monday. So uh, just look forward to, to welcoming everybody. Anything you need to know for advance, from advanced tickets to schedules, all available, available there at farmprogressshow.com. And what time does the show open each day? Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday is 8 to 5, and then Thursday is 8 to 4. Well, we look forward to seeing you next week. Sounds like things are going well, and you have everything put together for another great show. Matt, we'll see you on Tuesday next week. Wonderful. Thanks a lot, Mike. All right. Matt Youngman, Director of Trade Shows for Farm Progress, the Farm Progress Show, Boone, Iowa, next Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, August 28th, 29th, and 30th. I'll be broadcasting from the show all three days. Matt will be joining me during the show for updates, and we have a lot of other guests uh, scheduled as well. 
And um, that wraps up. We've been previewing the uh, Farm Progress Show throughout the summer to keep you abreast of what's going on there. And our preview series has been brought to you by Acuron Corn Herbicide from Syngenta, an upgrade for growers who don't settle for average. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. By the way, on Wednesday of next week, I'll be broadcasting from the Syngenta exhibit. All right, so coming up next, we're going to talk with Dave Warner with the National Pork Producers Council. What's going on with this hours of service rule? It really impacts uh, moving livestock across the country. Um, there have, there's some things going on in uh, both the House and the Senate on this issue. We'll get updates from Dave Warner with the National Pork Producers Council coming up next. Also, we're keeping an eye on this uh, Mexico U.S. trade agreement that may get announced today. Where does that leave Canada? We'll be talking more about that later in the program as well. So stay with us. AOA Adams on Agriculture. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of a trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat, I would flip-flop all night long, I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented MyPillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. MyPillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed, it's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. 
That's right, get 50% off the four-pack of two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. To order, go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get 50% off the four-pack of two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. Call 800-871-7280 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FARM11. Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, I want to get an update on where we're at with the hours of service rules. Very much uh, impacts the moving and hauling of livestock in this country. Dave Warner's with us. He is Director of Communications for the National Pork Producers Council. Dave, thanks for joining us. Department of Transportation has asked for public comments on revising the hours of service rules. Uh, what's the latest on this? Well, that's right, Mike. Um, you know, we've been um, talking with people at the Department of Transportation uh, about this uh, this rule and a, a related uh, regulation um, for some time now. You know, we've had uh, some of our producers um, raise concerns about these trucking rules, uh, and of course, some truckers have have talked to us about it too. Um, so this is a good move uh, by the Department of Transportation um, to um, to take comments on how they can come up with a rule that um, you know ensures that, that that our roads are safe, but that uh, livestock haulers um, are, are able to transport their their animals, and that the you know the well-being of those animals will be um, considered in in these regulations. Of course, part of this, big part of this, is the uh, ELDs, the electronic logging device, uh, as part of the rules. Uh, both the House and Senate are looking at this, right? Well, that's right. There is legislation um, that would, um, uh, in a couple of cases, um, either uh, give more time for um, drivers to comply with these. Um, I know there's an amendment to a Senate um, appropriations bill that so it's already been uh, approved by the Senate um, that would uh, delay the the hours of service rules or specifically the electronic logging device regulations for another year uh, another fiscal year so until October 2019 uh, there's a similar provision in a in a house funding bill um, so that would need to pass and it we need to get signed into law before that delay uh, were to take effect. Um, and it's important that it gets done because uh, the, the, the mandates are delayed right now until October 1 of this year. Um, but on October 1, they become uh, effective for truckers. And, you know, there are some concerns with um, the electronic logging devices um, for, for livestock haulers. Again, the, the the ELDs, which um, there would replace replace the paper logs that drivers have to have, and it records driving time and engine hours, vehicle movement and speed, and it's supposed to help federal and state inspectors enforce those hours of service rules. And those hours of service rules are the problem because of the, the constraints it has on drivers, um, and including drivers hauling livestock, and they can't just pull over because they've run up against uh, a time limit that's been set by a, a, a regulation and and not take care of their animals. 
Yeah, a lot different. You're hauling livestock versus, you know, uh, a non-perishable item, whatever that, that product might be. So as you said, they, they you bump up against these uh, these limits, these restrictions, and then who takes care? How, how are how are the livestock taken care of? That's the big issue. So how do you, how do you find that middle ground to where you have drivers that aren't on the road too long without rest, but yet the the livestock are protected? Well, I, I think, and that's part of uh, of the process that we're going to be going through. Um, you know, one of the other uh, one of the other piece of pieces of legislation that's out there. Um, uh, in the Senate would create or have the uh, Secretary of Transportation create a working group that would include obviously truckers um, and, and livestock haulers um, to to look at solutions to something like that. Um, you know, one possible thing is uh, to let drivers take care of the animals when they have to pull over. Right now, um, the hours of service rules limit commercial truckers to 11 hours of driving time and 14 consecutive hours of on-duty time. Well, for, for livestock haulers, that, that starts, you know, when they get to the, um, you know, let's say they're, they, they, they're going to pick up pigs at a barn and take it to a packing plant. Their on-duty time starts as soon as they get in the truck. Well, that's going to maybe take a few hours at least a couple of hours, maybe, of, of getting pigs out of that barn into the truck. Um, and then at the other end, there's maybe some time where they have to wait before they can offload pigs. That's all on-duty time. Um, if they hit that 14 hours under the hours of service, they're supposed to stop doing anything. Well, if they're driving when they hit that limit, they, again, have to pull over and not do anything. That includes not you know, maybe giving uh, water to their animals. Um, maybe that's a, a possibility that they could do that. Um, you know, that that may be a, a potential fix. So it sounds like there's still lots, a lot to work out on this. So what what you see is the timetable here? As you mentioned, you're up against some deadlines on this. We are, and you know, hopefully we can get um, that that. Uh, delay for for livestock haulers and and it has been for livestock haulers um, although there's some some uh, broader um, delays for for all truckers again to uh, give them more time to comply with the, the ELD mandate the electronic logging device mandate within the hours of service um, you know these are these are expensive pieces of equipment um, some smaller trucking companies you know may have an issue with with uh, complying with that so there have also been um, delays in the for, for all commercial truckers but um, we are up against the timeline hopefully um, you know Congress will pass something before uh, October 1 I mean they're they're supposed to pass new budgets for the new fiscal year which begins October 1 they're supposed to do that before the fiscal year actually begins. That's always uh, um, something that that they have a hard time doing. So we're a little concerned there. But um, I think you know the Department of Transportation has been very good about being flexible on this whole thing. They're they're certainly willing to as as this um, uh, request just this week for comments on the 
on revisions to the hours of service. They've been very good about working with the regulated community uh, on coming up with something that that, uh, can work for everyone, that will work for truckers, and will still ensure the safety of our roadways. Yeah, let's let's hope they come up with that good workable solution. Dave, before I let you go, we're waiting. Perhaps tomorrow we'll find out the uh, details of this $12 billion aid package. Sounds like most of it's going to go for soybeans. Have you heard anything about what might be coming for pork producers? We have not, um, and the the one thing I can tell you is that, um, you know, obviously um, pork producers have been um, kind of at the, the, the tip of the spear in these uh, uh, trade disputes. Um, they've been, you know, I, I think probably along with soybeans hurt the most by the, the tariffs uh, that, that China and, and Mexico have imposed. Um, where we have we have never wanted payments. Pork producers want to sell pork. They want to have uh, those export markets open. So our message has been: we need to resolve these trade disputes now. Um, so uh, that's what we've been focused on. Um, So we'll we'll see tomorrow. It sounds like if if the the numbers that uh, have kind of leaked out are anywhere to close to being accurate, that the soybean uh, assistance could be seven to eight billion of that twelve billion. So that that doesn't leave too much uh, for the rest of the commodities. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, um, and again, I, we're not we're really not focused on that. Um, we're focused on on. Um, uh, getting the trade disputes ended, um, but there are some other things that that could help uh, alleviate this, some of this, um, if not if not in a financial way, some other issues, um, a couple of things in the farm bill, including uh, a foot and mouth disease vaccine bank, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and uh, we'd like the administration to address the the uh, severe labor shortage that all of agriculture is facing. So those are a couple of things that. Uh, that certainly would help. And maybe some good news coming as early as today on a trade deal with Mexico, so that would help as well. Dave, always good to talk with you. Thanks for the update. Thank you, Mike. Take care. Dave Warner, Director of Communications for the National Pork Producers Council. All right, so last week ended the public comment period to EPA for the uh, RVO levels for 2019 for the Renewable Fuel Standard. We'll find out what the Renewable Fuels Association said, what they want to see in the the, uh, 2019 RVOs, and their thoughts on this uh, refineries and just where we stand with the RFS and EPA. Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, joins us next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. (laughs) If weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of 
Yellow? Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Thousands of people contact InventHelp monthly about their invention or new product. Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Call InventHelp now. Best of all, the call and information are free. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential, explaining every step of the invention process. Join people just like you who made the call to InventHelp. You have nothing to lose. The call and the information are free. Call 800 352 that's 800-352-1402. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network, and I'm broadcasting once again today from Dakota Fest that is underway in Mitchell, South Dakota. For the grain and oil seed sector on this Thursday, we've got more minus signs in wheat, corn, and in soybean futures, too. Weekly ethanol production was 1,000 barrels higher per day with stocks at 242,000 barrels higher with futures continuing to work lower. September corn down four and a quarter at 348 and a quarter. December hovering around 362 a bushel. That's down four and a half. In soybeans, we are hovering near support on the new crop November, 861 and a half down eight and a fraction. Chicago wheat trending eight and a fraction lower. September at 5.17 and a half, down eight and a half. Kansas City wheat, September down nine and a quarter, 5.20 and a half. Minneapolis wheat, September down three and a half, an hour into the day, right around 5.83. For livestock at the Merck, in live cattle futures, we've had a mix so far on this Thursday. Still awaiting direction from the cash cattle markets of the Central and Southern Plains where we see bids on a live basis, 107 to 109, asking prices 112 to 113. On the Fed Cattle Exchange yesterday, we sold 280 head at 109.50. Feeder cattle, September down 55, 148.60. November down 32, 148.62. Lean hog futures a mix. October down 47 at 53.12. December up 55 at 52.22. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is down 16, S&P up 4. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So the public comment period is over now for the RVO levels for 
2019 for the RFS. Joining us now is Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Bob, always good to talk with you. What was your message to EPA for 2019? Our fundamental message was, look, these numbers have to mean something. It's great for them to put out a rule that says there's going to be 15 billion gallons of demand for ethanol as a consequence of the RFS in 2019. But then uh, if EPA issues waiver after waiver after waiver uh, to oil companies that don't need relief, uh, they're only hurting farmers. They are uh, destructing demand. And that's what happened in 2016. That's what happened in 2017. That appears to be happening this year. We don't want to have it happen anymore. And so uh, our point was, if you're going to give hardship waivers to highly profitable refineries, you have to reallocate those gallons to make sure that farmers aren't subsidizing oil companies with lost demand. I've been saying this uh, for several days now when it comes to Andrew Wheeler now at EPA. We may like his method of doing things better than Scott Pruitt's, but I'm not sure we're, we like his message anymore because it seems like he's kind of going down the same path in, in many ways. Well, he has absolutely said that uh, he doesn't anticipate any changes to the uh, waiver process for small refineries, which is ridiculous. It needs to be, at the very least, more transparent, but frankly, they need to stop waiving RFS demand uh, from refineries that don't need relief. How, how is it all a hardship to ask refineries to blend more of a higher octane, lower priced product than the petroleum that they are throughputting? It, it, it's ridiculous. And so, um, yeah, I kind of agree with you that so far Andy Wheeler has been uh, more open. He has been uh, uh, more transparent, I guess, in, in what he's suggesting. But uh, the policy and the policy outcomes don't appear to be changed very much. And in light, and you've got the numbers showing the, the harm that has been done by these waivers to the uh, RFS, to the renewable fuels industry, but yet he keeps talking about wanting to come up with something uh some offset or something to give back to the oil industry. <laughs> and and that is the most frustrating thing in the world, Mike. I mean, it's like everybody in D.C. now wants to be Monty Hall. Let's make a deal. Well, you know, Scott Pruitt wasn't looking to make any deal with the farmers across America when he decided to have a fire sale on hardship waivers for small refineries. They got theirs. They got two and a quarter billion gallons of demand destruction without having to give up anything. And, you know, we want just the opportunity to sell E15 year-round. That's not a mandate. It's not a requirement. It's, it's no subsidy. It's just let's give consumers the choice of a higher-octane, lower-priced fuel year-round, not just a few months a year. And EPA says, oh, well, if we're going to give you that, uh, then we've got to give the refinery something. Well, that's nonsense. No, the, the deal, uh, you know, was made with uh, refineries, or at least they got their end of the deal. It's time to hit the reset button. It's time to reset the, uh, the, the allocation here and make sure that farmers 
or at least getting something out of this. So far, we've gotten nothing but, you know, lots of happy, glad talk. Yeah, and what's really ironic in this and frustrating is EPA is so hesitant to grant year-round sales of a product that they have approved. They're the ones that signed off on it and said it's good. Uh, there's, there are many ironies uh, throughout this whole debate, Mike, uh, but it is extraordinarily frustrating. It, you know, it's, it's not just hurting farmers. It's, it's not just destructing demand from uh, corn and ethanol in this country. It's hurting consumers because ethanol today is the lowest cost, highest octane liquid transportation fuel available. So you blend more of that, consumers benefit. So, I mean, that's what I really don't understand. There's, there's uh, Consumers are hurt, farmers are hurt, the environment is hurt, energy security is hurt. Why not address all of that by simply allowing the use of E15 year-round, period? We're talking with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Are they still talking about uh, export RIN credits? Well, the one thing that uh, Mr. Wheeler has done, I think, is to take that off the table. He has said that uh, they are not uh, considering that anymore, and I suppose that's a that's a good thing. But uh, they, they still are talking about potentially capping the price of uh, rent credits, uh, doing other things to uh, lower the compliance costs for refiners. Uh, you know, RINs now are trading uh, $0.20 cents or below. Uh, I mean, that's... That's nothing compared to the $0.80 cents, uh, that they were just a few months ago before Scott Pruitt went on his RIN fire sale. So, you know, they've gotten theirs. There's, there's no need to give them any more. You know, it seems like EPA wants to really uh, pat themselves on the back saying, we'll get, uh, we'll get these uh, levels announced on time. We'll meet the deadlines, which true would be an improvement over what we've seen in the past but as you said that does no good if the numbers don't have real meaning well my wife uh, teaches third grade and uh, she gives some credit to those students to get their homework in on time but the homework still has to be done correctly or the students aren't going to learn and i get the sense that epa is more concerned about just getting something done uh on a schedule as opposed to getting it done right and uh, consumers and farmers are paying the price for that. What about the uh, the legal action you've taken on the on these issues, Bob? Where does that stand? Well, the uh, we have sued EPA on some of the waivers that they granted to two of the most highly profitable refineries across the country in the Tenth Circuit, which is on the West Coast. And uh, there have been uh, a number of uh, filings on that case already. We like with where the court is going. Um, we have not had oral arguments on that yet. And uh, the, the case that we brought uh, uh, here in D.C. against EPA and the underlying rule, uh, we had also filed a stay, but uh, that's where that is. We, we are likely going to fire that up soon, though. Those things take time, obviously. You know, a lot it of this comes you down. Know, which, is why, which is why it's so important that EPA gets the rules right as they issue them. Uh, and clearly they haven't done that yet. It seems like what a lot of us look at in the RFS seems pretty clear, but EPA seems to find gray areas that uh, they can do these uh, different actions that they've been taking. 
does it all still get back to if Congress had written it more clearly, or do you think it was written clearly enough and they're just trying to find ways to uh, change it? I think the act was written uh, with great clarity and great flexibility. And the EPA has been, uh, you know, looking for ways, creative ways, to have this program uh, work better and more efficiently for refiners and have walked away from trying to make sure that it's working for consumers and farmers and biofuel producers across the country. And, And that's just a shame. It's the Environmental Protection Agency, not the Refinery Protection Agency. And uh, EPA seems to have lost its mission. So what's the next step? When when is the deadline? When should we expect to hear the RVO levels for 2019? I expect that they will get a final rule out before the end of November, which is what the statute requires. Again, EPA has been uh, dutiful in meeting its uh, uh, deadlines lately, which is, which is a good thing, uh, but they still do need to get it right. So before the, uh, the end of November, maybe right around Thanksgiving, hopefully EPA is not delivering another turkey. <laughs> and how are we doing, Bob, uh, even in light of all these challenges, how are we doing in getting market penetration with E15? Well, it continues to increase, but it is a very slow slog. I mean, the marketers that uh, do... Uh, make the changes necessary to allow it to happen are seeing increased sales. Uh, but it is uh, it is slow. And the marketers are frustrated that they get the consumers used to uh, that higher octane, lower price product, and then the summer months come and uh, they've got to take it away from them. So uh, I suspect uh, the middle of September when the RVP control season ends, you're going to see a dramatic increase in E15 sales again as marketers are able to uh, resume blending uh, that higher-octane product. Meanwhile, we, we see great demand still, don't we, in, uh, in other countries around the world wanting ethanol. Indeed, that's the thing that's been our saving uh, grace over the last year is that exports continue to uh, grow robustly. Uh, we will break our export record again this year. We're exporting to more than 60 countries across the globe. And, Mike, that is in the face of uh, rising trade barriers from China and Brazil and the European Union. We're still able to find uh, markets. Um, You know, Canada is growing and Mexico is growing and Japan and there are other places. But, uh, you know, our export market, while a saving grace today, you know, is threatened by uh, some of these trade actions and there's growing protectionism around the country. I mean, I'm sorry, around the globe. And, and that's a problem. Yeah, the demand is there domestically and uh, internationally if we can just overcome these hurdles that keep uh, popping up uh, along the way to keep us from getting the, the product out there to the people wanting it. Bob, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks for the update. Mike, thank you. You take care. You too. Bob Deneen, President, CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. So it looks like U.S. and Mexico close to a deal on NAFTA. What about Canada? We'll get the Canadian perspective next on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now all right crew let's get her dug Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Hey, Ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, Waterhemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. <laughs> if weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, Waterhemp, you're looking kind of yellow. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. 
And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Mexico on NAFTA. So we wonder what about Canada? Joining us for the Canadian perspective is Sean Haney from Real Agriculture. Although, Sean, I must admit, I, I would like to talk baseball and the resurgence of my Cardinals with you, you know? Where, Mike, I'll tell you what. Where did the Cardinals find that, that Hicks kid? That throws 103 miles an hour. Yeah, and he's 21 years old. And he has control. A... Like, you know, yeah, with, he... with like Chapman with the Yankees, he, he throws the ball all over, all over the yard. That, that Hicks kid, he dials it in. That, he, he struck out three guys looking in the ninth, and, and the, the very last batter, because I think it was Corey Bellinger, didn't even, didn't even swing. He watched three <laughs> pitches go right by him. How about, a, how about a key series like this and the Cardinals started three rookie pitchers and then bring in rookies from the bullpen? Oh, man. What, you change the manager, throw in some young kids, and look what happens. Yep. Should have done it sooner. But uh, that's another topic. <laughs> all right. Let's talk NAFTA. So what's the Canadian uh, perspective when all the talk is U.S. and Mexico are going to get together? Yeah. You know, I, I think the, remind, the thing we've got to keep in mind here is that even though there's been five weeks here of bilateral talks between the U.S. and Mexico, this still remains a trilateral deal. That, and that's basically, that was the guidelines provided by Congress to the president when he was, chose to renegotiate this, as well as, you know, if you look at the corporate supply chains, they want a trilateral deal, too. I think there's a little bit of uncomfortableness right now in Canada as far as where we sit in these talks. You know, being on the sidelines for five, or, you know, being on the official sidelines for five weeks, I think sort of has made us do a bit of a gut check, although I think there's confidence based on some of the things that Mexican officials have said. Canada will, will come back to the talks once this handshake, whether it happens today or next week, uh, that, that will be our re-entry point. So the, the, the strategy seems to be if, if U.S. gets something done with Mexico, that puts pressure on Canada to come into the fold. Is Canada feeling this pressure? Well, this is the part that I think is confusing a little bit for me, is that what's the end game here? So clearly the U.S. believes that they're going to be able to negotiate with a Mexican government that's quickly trying to close a deal before the new president comes into place, even though the president's negotiating team is a part of the process. But let's just forecast, go forward here a little bit. When Canada returns, let's just say there's something that Canada doesn't like. That doesn't mean that it's going to be just a Canadian or a U.S.-Mexico deal. It still will be trilateral, and so those issues still need to be worked out. So I, I think 
if there's a pause about all this, it basically it has sped up the talks a little bit and had made some progress. Canada will have some choices. But at the same time, dairy access is one of the things that I'm sure Mexico and the U.S. have not figured out for Canada uh, in their bilateral discussion. So there, there's still... A, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce put out a note last week talking about how Canada has not been the problem in these talks, and there is a lot of issues yet to be figured out. Chapter 20 and the five-year sunset being two of them. But uh, there's kind of a public perception now, a narrative that, uh, you know, Canada is isolated or you are just got your heels dug in and you're not willing to budge, so the U.S. and Mexico goes forward. Uh, that, that, that becomes kind of a, a narrative to some. But yet I see yeah. uh, polling out of Canada that uh, your, your people are very supportive of your leadership and how they're handling this. Is that, is that right? Well, that, yeah, that poll did come out and did say that there, there's an improvement in the support that the Canadians have for the way that the Trudeau government has handled these talks. I'm not sure why, because not much has changed. All that's changed is, is really Canada did the reciprocal retaliatory tariffs on the steel and aluminum. I took those results as more of Canadians saying, being more displeased with the things the president has done as opposed to supporting the things that Prime Minister Trudeau has done. Um, and, and so I, I think that's how I would interpret that, that poll. You know, there, there are those saying that, that they could reach an agreement on all this by the end of August, 1st of September. Uh, that seems overly optimistic. I mean, with Canada really not officially back in yet. So what kind of a timeline do you think is realistic on this? Well, you know, that changes based on who you talk to. I, I've, I would say the overwhelming uh, vote would go to you know, next year, 2019. Uh, I think that there's a lot of hurdles yet to, to cross here. I even had somebody tell me 2020 earlier this week. Mm. So that's not being very optimistic at, at all. I, I think, you know, the reason for this September 1st uh, deadline is it is kind of the last chance to get things done before the transition happens with the Mexican government. But th- this, that's one of the reasons why I don't understand that Canada hasn't been left, let, let back into the talks earlier, which seems to be a bit of a decision by Robert Lighthizer, because Mexico officials were quoted overnight as saying, you know, Canada doesn't have to wait till the end to get back into these talks, and it really is all up to Lighthizer's schedule, which I thought was a very, very unusual comment. On the dairy issue, is is there any indication that uh, Canada is willing to uh, to concede very much on this, uh, other than what we've seen before, other than maybe what would have been done in TPP? No, I think it all comes down to the expectations of the U.S. negotiating team. If it's a complete disbandment of supply management, then no, that won't be the compromise that is made on the Canadian side. If it's something closer to CPTPP, which is a three and a quarter percent market access that the U.S. gave up when it left uh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, then yes, I think that is a, I think that's a compromise that we definitely could see. Uh, but it all comes down to what the expectations are and how much of a chip uh, or a dent the U.S. negotiators want to put in the, the milk system in Canada. It's, it's a huge issue for agriculture, but I'm, I'm beginning to wonder how big an issue it is for uh, you know, the, the administration to hire officials and negotiators because it still isn't yeah. resolved. It's a terrifyingly small amount of trade compared to the rest of the deal. It, it's a fraction. It's a decimal point. And if you compare it, you know, that's why they've spent so much time talking about autos, because autos are such a large part of that this trilateral trade pact. and. That's why it's kind of up until this point been ignored. If you look at other past trade negotiations, uh, dairy access into Canada is something that's decided 
at the 12th hour at the last minute and it's Canada compromises and we move on with a, with a free trade deal. Yep. Uh, throughout it's been more focus on cars than cows. That's for sure. Sean, yep. always good to talk with you. Thanks a lot. Hey Mike, I really appreciate it and all the best to you. You too. Take care. Sean Haney who hosts the real agriculture uh, radio program out of Canada. All right, that wraps it up for today. So we'll keep an eye on, do we get that deal announced, at least a handshake deal between the U.S. and Mexico? We'll be watching that today, looking for details of the Ag Aid Package tomorrow. Lots to talk about. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Have a great day.